This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Tonight, the extraordinary rebuke as the president scolds his own top scientists over coronavirus, the battle within the administration. CBS News has learned the White House has sidelined CDC Director Robert Redfield and Dr. Anthony Fauci from the Coronavirus Task Force. The president's timeline for a vaccine vastly different than that of health officials. So when could a vaccine be available? We asked the president of Moderna, one of the companies developing a revolutionary vaccine in an exclusive interview. And why the president's handling of the coronavirus has a former senior advisor on the task force endorsing Joe Biden. Back to school postponed, why the country's largest school system had to delay in-person learning again, days before students were set to return. Sally's devastation, National Guard rescues, roads washed out, homes and memories destroyed, and the new threat looming in the Gulf. New dangers, why a change in the weather could spark more wildfires in Oregon. The intense fight out west tonight to save homes. Russia at it again. Tonight, the FBI director says there's a steady drumbeat of misinformation to denigrate Joe Biden and interfere in the 2020 election. Outrage over the attorney general's remarks comparing pandemic shutdowns to slavery. And a young woman turns to social media to save her father's taco truck. A story about the kindness of strangers. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with a growing and potentially dangerous rift between the White House and the president's top scientific advisors over coronavirus. Tonight, CBS News has learned that CDC Director Robert Redfield, as well as the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, 
have been sidelined from the president's coronavirus task force. Now, that news comes after a stunning rebuke of Dr. Redfield by President Trump, saying Redfield, who has spent his career studying viruses and heads the world's premier public health agency, misunderstood the question when he testified under oath it will take until the middle of next year to vaccinate enough Americans to limit the spread of COVID. With the election just 47 days away, the president keeps suggesting a vaccine will be ready before Americans cast their ballots. Now, that is something that most experts, including the government's own scientists, say is just not true for the general public. And that disagreement has led to a day-long duel pitting science versus spin. It's the kind of political fight you might expect in an election year. Only this time, American lives and the economy are at stake. As we come on the air, the number of people killed by coronavirus in the U.S. is now nearly 200,000. And tonight, the country's largest public school system, New York City, is abruptly canceling its plans to start in-person learning for all students on Monday. Well, there's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight. Our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Paula Reed is going to lead off our coverage tonight from the White House. Good evening, Paula. Good evening, Nora. Today, President Trump continued to tease the possibility of an earlier-than-expected vaccine. But former administration officials tell CBS News they're concerned that health experts are being pressured to approve a vaccine for political reasons. President Trump continued to claim today that a vaccine will be ready very soon, a prediction critics say he's making with November 3rd in mind. The vaccine is way ahead of schedule, but I'm being criticized for bringing it back too fast. But the CDC and most health experts say Director Robert Redfield's timeline of late spring or summer next year for most Americans is accurate. A former senior administration official tells CBS News the White House cares more about messaging than solving the problem of the virus and that they're being asked to do things they don't want to. The tension between the two was on display Wednesday when Redfield discussed the availability of the vaccine. I think we're probably looking at third, late second quarter, third quarter. 2021. I think he made a mistake when he said that. Former acting CDC director Richard Besser. When you see the president publicly undermining the head of the CDC, um, it gives people room to question the public health advice. And what's happening in this nation is people are are choosing whether or not to follow the recommendations of, of public health. One former White House official upset with the president's handling of the pandemic is going public with her endorsement of Joe Biden. I'm Olivia Troy. Olivia Troy, a former Homeland Security Advisor to Vice President Mike Pence, released a video today describing what she saw in the White House. When we were in a task force meeting, the president said, maybe this COVID thing is a good thing. I don't like shaking hands with people. I don't have to shake hands with these disgusting people. The vice president dismissed her concerns. It reads to me like one more disgruntled employee uh, who's left the White House uh, and now has decided to play politics during an election year. A source close to Redfield say he is not expected to resign from the CDC despite clashing publicly with the president. But scientists at the CDC say the White House still has such tight control over the messaging related to COVID. They're worried that critical public health information is not being disseminated in a timely manner. Nora. Paula Reed at the White House tonight. Thank you. 
We turn now to breaking news. Getting kids back in the classroom is proving extremely difficult in the nation's largest school system. New York City has once again pushed back the start of in-person learning for most of its one million students. Some will have to wait another week, others longer. Here's CBS's Nikki Batiste. Today's delay comes as pressure from teachers and parents worried about safety continued to grow across the city. With a shortage of teachers willing to go into schools, and so far more than 40% of parents opting for remote learning, Mayor de Blasio tried to put a positive spin on the news. We are doing this to make sure that all the standards we've set can be achieved. The city will add 4,500 additional school staff, but a new report issued today put the number needed at nearly 12,000. Teacher Corinthia Marisol Spath says she's worried. I am so nervous. I am really nervous. And I know my family is nervous. Meanwhile, daily coronavirus cases in the U.S. remain high, with nearly 40,000 a day. And the World Health Organization is now warning about an alarming spike across Europe. Nikki Batiste, CBS News, New York. Today, the biotech firm Moderna took an unprecedented attempt at transparency, releasing its protocols on how it will determine if its coronavirus vaccine is safe and effective. The company's vaccine uses what's called mRNA technology. That's a type of vaccine that has never been brought to market. We spoke with Moderna's president, Dr. Stephen Hogue, in our series, Racing to a Cure. How soon will we know when a Moderna vaccine is working? It's very hard to know for sure. Um, We have announced today that we've made a good progress in enrolling the phase three trial. So we've actually enrolled over 25,000 of the 30,000 participants in that study. But now we're going to depend upon those people, unfortunately, getting sick. Our best estimates of the early it could happen would be the early part of the later part of the fall, November, December time horizon. But it could happen much later or much sooner, depending upon the rate of transmission in the country. Is Moderna feeling political pressure? We haven't been feeling direct political pressure, but definitely we feel the social pressure of this moment. The goal of developing a vaccine is not to get a vaccine approved. It's to stop the pandemic. And that will only happen if hundreds of millions of people, hundreds of millions of Americans agree to get vaccinated. That will only happen if they have confidence in the data and the vaccine. And so what we did today in publishing our fully unredacted protocol, but also what we did in our presentations around that, has the goal of being transparent. So will Moderna commit to publicly releasing all of its results before a vaccine becomes available. We're absolutely committed to publishing and releasing the data before a vaccine comes available. What's the goal of this vaccine? Well, the goal of this vaccine, of all vaccines in this case, is to stop the pandemic. Um, We all want to get back to uh, normal life. If we can reduce this to a common cold, then I think most of us would feel like we can get back most of our lives. So given that the Moderna mRNA vaccine does not prevent infection, but it does reduce the severity of the infection, do some age groups fare better than others? It's a great question. So so first, we don't know whether it'll prevent infection or not yet. We'll wait for the phase three data, and it's possible it will. But we think the more likely outcome is that it'll prevent severe disease, uh, particularly COVID-19. What's really exciting news that we announced today is that we shared some data we previously presented to the CDC on elderly uh, Americans who'd been in our vaccine studies in phase one and showed that we'd had the same level of protection in the elderly as we'd seen in the younger populations. That gives us hope and reason for optimism that actually our vaccine will be able to protect those highest risk populations, particularly those over the age of 65 uh, who are bearing the brunt of COVID-19. 
Dr. Stephen Hogue, thank you so much. Thank you very much for your time, Laura. And tonight, what's left of Hurricane Sally is dumping rain across the Carolinas and southern Virginia. The storm battered the Gulf Coast of Alabama and the Florida Panhandle Wednesday with winds topping 100 miles an hour, two and a half feet of rain and a surge of seawater. At least two people were killed. CBS's Manuel Bohorkas got a bird's eye view of the Trail of Destruction. From the air, we saw how much devastation Hurricane Sally left behind, riding along with U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. We've come across a bridge here in Pensacola that is missing not just one large section, but two. And from up here, it appears what happened is that these barges that were on the water came loose, struck the bridge in those locations. Roofs peeled away, boats scattered, areas cut off by downed trees or flooding. Back on the ground, everyone was busy today with rescues and cleanup. Richard Franzen wasn't just upset about his flooded house. I'm a veteran and I have a memorial back there. It's underwater. I lost some of my friends in Vietnam, but it's gone. There are just remnants left of the storm now, but it's still enough to deluge parts of Georgia and the Carolinas. Heavy rains are expected to continue to wreak havoc from Virginia to North Carolina through the night before the storm moves out over the Atlantic. Back in Mobile, Alabama, Pastor Jonathan Yates is thankful Sally wasn't worse. We were thankful that uh, there was no life lost. And you can see behind me the steeple of the pastor's church dangling off the roof. It was knocked over by winds that topped 80 miles per hour as the hurricane swept through this area. Also tonight, a warning for residents along the Florida panhandle not to let their guard down. There could be more flooding on the way as rivers crest. Nora? Thinking of all those parishioners there, Manny Bajorquez, thank you so much. Now to the west, where Yosemite National Park was shut down today because of dangerous air quality from those deadly wildfires. Thunderstorms may help clear the air, but as CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti reports, they could also cause new dangers. So the main fire is up there. Thousands lived through the nightmare. This man recorded it. Anthony Jacobson, a resident of the town of Gates, Oregon, documenting the chaos. Embers flying all around. This is what the fires left behind. Among those who lost their homes, volunteer firefighter Kevin Baki and his wife Jan. It's real surreal to see your own home on fire. I was just so relieved that my family was okay. In Oregon, thick, suffocating smoke still hangs in the air. Almost 250 miles of roads remain closed, and hundreds of thousands of trees need to be removed. The risk clearly evident by what happened to this Oregon state trooper. Amazingly, no one was hurt. Meanwhile, fires continue to rage in California. Now, dramatic video from cameras mounted on helmets of firefighters as they desperately tried to save homes, battling until the only way out was through a wall of flames. Back in Oregon, Anthony Jacobson returned to find something extraordinary. Look what I just found. His kitten. We were so scared that he didn't make it. It's a miracle. You know what I mean? Four days, you know, no food, no water. It kind of gives you hope. And there is hope, but also a long and crippled road ahead. The military has blocked off hundreds of miles working in smoky conditions that make it difficult to breathe. Rain is in the forecast and also lightning, which could spark new fires. Nora. 
Jonathan Vigliotti, thank you for your reporting. Some news today from FBI Director Chris Wray, who told Congress that Russia is very active in trying to interfere in the presidential election, and the Kremlin's goal is to denigrate Joe Biden. Wray also broke with President Trump by calling Antifa an ideology, not an organization. The president wants to label Antifa a terrorist group. Instead, Wray told lawmakers that it's white supremacist groups that are the biggest focus of FBI domestic terror investigations. Turning now to the shocking comments from Attorney General William Barr comparing coronavirus stay-at-home orders to slavery. Here's CBS's Jeff Begays. Attorney General William Barr is under fire tonight for comparing the coronavirus lockdown to slavery. Stay-at-home orders is like house arrest. It's, the, it's, the, it's you know, other than slavery, which was a different kind of restraint, this is the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history. That remark brought swift condemnation from the highest-ranking African-American in Congress. It is incredible uh, that chief law enforcement officer in this country would equate human bondage uh, to expert advice uh, to save lives. Barr has taken an extremely hard line against those protesting police violence, even considering charging them with sedition. In his speech to conservative Hillsdale College, he said the Black Lives Matter movement uses murders of blacks as props to advance their cause. They're not interested in black lives. They're interested in, they're interested in props. A small number of blacks who were killed by police during uh, conflict with police, usually less than a dozen a year. The data actually shows that 250 black people were shot and killed by police last year alone. Barr also defended his decisions to intervene in the cases against former Trump aide Michael Flynn and the president's longtime friend Roger Stone. What do you mean by interfere? Under the law, all prosecutorial power is vested in the attorney general. Barr also criticized his own prosecutors here at the Justice Department for making decisions that he disagreed with. Today, a former prosecutor called Barr's comments nauseating. Nora. Jeff Begay is there at the Justice Department. Thank you. And we're learning some new details tonight about where Russia's top opposition leader may have been poisoned. Aides to Alexei Navalny put up video today showing them bagging evidence in his hotel room. They claim a water bottle contained traces of Novichok. That's a Soviet-era nerve agent. Vladimir Putin's government is suspected of trying to assassinate him. Navalny is recovering in Germany. And this story caught our eye. There may be evidence that eyeglasses provide some protection against COVID. Researchers in China noticed less than 6% of the COVID patients at one hospital wore glasses. What's not clear is whether glasses stop transmission or if other factors are at play. Former President Barack Obama's new memoir will be released November 17th. A Promised Land is the first of two volumes and covers the period from his early political life through the death of Osama bin Laden. Obama says the book deals with how Americans can, quote, heal divisions and make democracy work for everybody. Our final story centers on a small business owner who was struggling like so many others in these uncertain times. But there's a twist. Thanks to customers with big hearts and big appetites. Here's CBS's Maria Villarreal. Elias Avila spent more than 20 years working in other people's restaurants before he saved enough money to open his own food truck. 
Taqueria El Torito sits in Humboldt, Texas. He said this was his way of leaving a legacy behind for his children. But when the pandemic hit, people stopped coming. And this past Saturday, Chef Aviles called his daughter and explained he was closing early after making just $6 all day. Was it hard to see your dad struggle at one point? It was because it's like, what can I do to help? Giselle turned to social media for help, and her Twitter plea has been retweeted more than 10,000 times. I told him, like, get ready, like, have some stuff ready because you're going to have people. Todo, toda la línea there was a line on Monday morning. Sí, sí, sí. And the customers keep coming. I've been trying to get out here all week. They were sold out. Everybody's saying it's, it's really good. The secret to El Torito's success boils down to the one ingredient you can't find in stores. Mi secreto es amor. Love. Mireya Villarreal, CBS News, Humble, Texas. Oh, food always tastes better when cooked with love. Ready for this? On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, there's something fishy about this story. A strange-looking chair and a matching tattoo. CBS's Steve Hartman gets to the bottom of it. If you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. Stay positive. Test negative. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.